I will be reading Gold Cord, The Story of a Fellowship by Amy Carmichael. And this is chapter one. From prayer that asks that I may be sheltered from winds that beat on thee, from fearing when I should aspire, from faltering when I should climb higher, from silk and self, O captain free, thy soldier who would follow thee, from subtle love of softening things, from easy choices, weakenings, not thus our spirits fortified, not this way went the crucified, from all that dims thy calvary, O Lamb of God, deliver me. Give me the love that leads the way, the faith that nothing can dismay, the hope no disappointments tire, the passion that will burn like fire. Let me not sink to be a clod. Make me thy fuel, flame of God. Gold, Silver, Precious Stones, Chapter 1. On a hot September day in 1918, some happy Indian children set out to trace their mountain river to its source. After the rains in June and in October, the river is a glory of rushing water pouring down a deep ravine. But in dry, burnt-up September, it is shallow, and from below, bare boulders as big as cottages look like the steps of a giant staircase. It would be easy, we thought, to find the source. It was a joyful, though a scorching climb. Sometimes the shadowy forest on either side drew back a little, and there were open sunny bays where the people of the woods came down to drink. Often the moist ground near the water was pitted with tiny hoof prints, and once there was the more exciting spoor of tiger. Perhaps even now they are watching us, seeing everything we do, whispered the children and they were aware of delicious shivers and hesitations. It was thrilling to think that the forest was full of eyes, and they quite near and watchful. But never the tip of a tail was seen that day. The birds warned the monkey people, and the monkey people warned the other people, long before the queer blue creatures crawling up the riverbed approached. Only the brave Malabar thrush, who whistles like a schoolboy trying to find a lost tune, waited till the curious blue appeared over the top of a boulder. Then, with a sharp cry of surprise or disapproval, he flew off. The children found new delights, fairy falls and fairy pools and caves and dear growing things, great ferns and cushions of moss, but the source they did not find. A tree had crashed through the forest, just where the banks were too steep to climb, and the undergrowth was too entangled to penetrate. The trunk was covered with orchids and was a beautiful thing, but it barred the way. Below it was a deep, clear pool. The children knew that far beyond, above the fringes of the forest, the real source must lie out under the sky in a lonely loveliness with only the wind and the whispering rushes and the marsh flowers to tell it of the ways of the world below, but they could not go up there. We have been asked to tell of the beginning of our fellowship, why it shaped as it did, and how it came to be a little thing committed to the hand of God. We cannot go back to the beginning, so we begin at the pool 
below the tree that leans across the river. It was a dull sunny morning, Sunday morning in a street in Belfast, 33 years before the day when the children climbed their mountain stream. My brothers and sisters and I were returning with our mother from church when we met a poor pathetic old woman who was carrying a heavy bundle. We had never seen such a thing in Presbyterian Belfast on Sunday and moved by sudden pity my brothers and I turned with her, relieved her of the bundle, took her by the arms as though they had been handles, and helped her along. This meant facing all the respectable people who were like ourselves on their way home. It was a horrid moment. We were only two boys and a girl, and not at all exalted Christians. We hated doing it, crimson all over, at least we felt crimson, souls and body of us. We plodded on, a wet wind blowing about us and blowing to the rags of that poor old woman till she seemed like a bundle of feathers and we unhappily mixed up with them. But just as we passed a fountain recently built near the curbstone, this mighty phrase was suddenly flashed, as it were, through the gray drizzle. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is, if any man's work abide. If any man's work abide, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, the fountain, the muddy street, the people with their politely surprised faces, all this I saw, but saw nothing else. The blinding flash had come and gone. The ordinary was all about us. We went on. I said nothing to anyone, but I knew that something had happened that had changed life's values. Nothing could ever matter again but the things that were eternal. From this pool flowed the stream that is the story. There are so many stories already in the world, and so many are splendid and great that it is difficult to believe that it can be worth the telling. But if only I can tell it under direction, it will carry at least one quality of clear running water, sincerity. End of chapter one. Chapter two, influences. And it be, every chapter begins with a quote or two or three. Before Gordon left Cairo, on an expedition perhaps as hazardous as any man in this world ever undertook, he sent a short and characteristic letter to his sister. 26th of January, 1884. I leave for the Sudan tonight. I feel quite happy, for I say, if God is with me, who can or will be hurtful to me? May he be glorified. The world and the people of the Sudan be blessed. May I be the dust under his feet. Gordon and the Sedan by Bernard M. Allen. Now let me burn out for God, Henry Martin. God hold me on with a steady pace, Robert Murray McShane. <laughs>